different world than we did just 30 seconds ago. It's a different world, it's a different day, but we are back on the Fantasy Draft Room Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Draft Room. I am Chase. You can find me on Twitter at TrophyChase, T-F-D-R. And as always, my main man, Cody, where can they find you? As always, find me over on Twitter at Cody Smith, TFDR. Check out our joint account for the page at underscore TFDR. YouTube at the Fantasy Draft Room. Listen to this wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in for some live streams after the Thursday and Monday night games. Trying to get out to you guys as much content as we can. And let's get this thing rolling, man. Absolutely. We have a lot to get into. We are going to get into some positional uh, players that we have identified with some advanced metrics, just some basic statistics that might be underperforming or be prepared to break out um, as we have hit the quarterway through a season. Uh, so we're going to dive into some of those. Might be some buy low candidates or trade candidates for you. But obviously the biggest thing is we got to get into right away is Javante Williams uh, no longer has a knee. So <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing with Javante right now? Man, I am uh, I'm glad don't have any shares anywhere. It's a, it's a relief after, you know, uh, Trey Lance hit me very hard. So I know Javante is hitting a lot of other people hard. So, you know, I guess everything kind of balances out in fantasy. Hope for hope for the best with Javante, but obviously won't be seeing him on the field this year and probably at the beginning of next year, even in the mid part of next year as well. Did tear the ACL and the LCL, I believe. So you're looking at multi-legament injury. Correct. Not as bad as JK's, apparently, where he tore basically everything up in his knee. But still, you've got the LCL compounding where it does affect your performance once you come back. It's a it's a rough road ahead for him. Hope the best. But we got to look at it from a fantasy landscape. And that being said, I'm selling basically I'm selling for scraps right now if I can get out on him. How about you? Yeah, we talked about this in our introductory uh, episode and how our process when it comes to injured players is you sell for a first and you get out. And it might sound crazy. It might sound like, oh, my gosh, Javante was just a top three back, top four back with with Najee and Swift and JT. And then Javante is right there. And now we're selling him for a first and just getting out. But like, yeah, you got to take that liquid asset and run. Right. Because if you really think about it, we have we kind of have a track record of, of guys that if you sold for that pick, you could probably buy back in for that pick. This, I'd say, in six months, eight months from now, you can probably buy back in for the same 23 first. You know, at best, let's, you know, we will look at J.K. Dobbins. Let's look at J.K. Dobbins and like Saquon Barkley. Like J.K. Dobbins, you sell for a first. And you can probably buy him for a first right now. He's playing in the NFL, just scored two touchdowns, just had 16 touches. You can buy him back for a first at the most, the highest cost is going to be a first and a second, right? So if you're paying a second premium, like, why not sell him? Yeah, and I just pulled it up real quick. J.K. Dobbins this time last year, uh, you know, before he would, suffered the knee injury before the season all the way up at RB seven at his peak on KTC. So, you know, we're, it's not as high as we were seeing from Javante, but still, you know, you're getting close to two first probably for that type of guy. 
And we saw right before this season, people were people were still selling for back end first. So, you know, there's probably not going to be that much of a value spike or a value difference between a first that you're selling now and a first that you can buy for or still sell for come a year from now. And it's just a, it's a flat and dead asset on your team. If you're holding Javante now and through, you know, eight weeks into the season, probably until you really see him back and on the field, hopefully if there's no setbacks or anything else, like there's no there's no path forward here for the next year where his value goes up. So I'd rather move that asset into some other form of either player or picks and put it into something that could actually gain value compared to a useless spot on my roster that's not getting me any points and it's not getting me any future value either. Yeah, with J.K. Dobbins, I this is one I really learned the hard way on. And I I looked to acquire him because I was like, oh, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, I you know, great talent. Look what he did at the end of his rookie year. He tore it up. Yeah, he tore his ACL, you know, he lost his knee, you know, most you know, is how you want to kind of outline that lost his knee and tore a hamstring. And I was looking to buy him. I did buy him for a couple seconds in some places. I did spend, you know, at the time it was a 23 first because that was two years out. You know, we still had the 22 class and 23 class. So it was two years out. Um you know, so I did spend a first and I, I ended up having a dead asset on my roster for, for a whole all of last season and then all of the off season. And now I'm finally trying to reap the benefits of, of holding on to JK for that long. And the process play was to, if you had him, sell him for that first because the first round pick that I gave up, I could have done so much more with. I could have improved my roster in so many different ways. And then I could have bought JK Dobbins back in the off season for, for a 23 first or for a pick and and got back in and so i missed a whole opportunity i wasted a wasted a roster spot and i wasted a liquid asset in that 23 first or in a pick that i should have used elsewhere and that's one of my biggest off-season learning you know experiences uh from being in you know part of destination Devi and, and talking this out with other like minds or people that have been doing this a lot longer than me is that that's the process play is you sell out because right now I can, I can't, you know, I have JK Dobbins and if I wanted to sell him, like I'm still looking to get a 23 first. Like I, I think the best offer I've had is a, a throw in player and a 23 first. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's improved yeah. value, but improved value. I mean, you, it's basically like putting them into a bank for seven years and getting that 0.01% interest return that they're going to give you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it, you might as well just throw it into some like, high leverage stock that could yield you a 20% increase. I mean, it, yes, it also has the chance of get, getting a negative return, but if you put it into a pick value, pick values don't go down. The only time that you're ever getting a pick value that moves down in value is if somehow you're buying the, you know, like 102 on a team and they somehow turn it around, go all in somehow with, you know, whatever assets they have and it turns it that 102 turns into the 112. That's the only way a pick value goes down. So, you're, you're insulated if you do turn it into just a 23 first. Yeah, I think that that's the the big thing is when you look at these injured players, like Saquon Barkley was the other one that we wanted to bring up as well, is Saquon Barkley was an all overall RB1, and he tore his ACL. He came back, and everyone was really excited, wanted to see him play, had the high ankle sprain, and essentially like that 
ACL injury. I mean, he even wasn't confident before the, the, the high ankle sprain. You could tell he wasn't running confidently. It didn't look like the same old Saquon. He lost two years of production. And right now, two years later, post-ACL, you can probably get a first and a second. If you're in a, a home league or you're in a league that you know people love Saquon, you might be able to get two first value for him. But you waited two years to get that increase. I don't think Javante is going to hit that ceiling where you're going to get two first value. Like, I could be wrong, but most likely, I would. I'm much happier selling out on Javante now, taking that first, enjoying that first. Next off season, someone else can deal with Javante. When Javante is actually back on the field, I can look to buy him back. Whether it's the same league or not, you might have to buy him back somewhere else. But I'd much rather buy him back at a first and second value when I know he's healthy versus running the risk of holding that asset. And then he never is the same. And you just you lost your window on a player you you held. And I mean, it, it just it crushes your fantasy team by doing that. It's rough, man. Like you're, you're I, the issue with Saquon, right? Like, yeah, he's producing like he used to be again, but now he's we're looking at him and now he's a 25 going on 26, 27 year old back. And so the fantasy community is going to value him at that like RB1 type of level ever again. Even if he finishes out this year at RB1, he goes on and just smashes all year long. He's still not going to be JT because he's too old now. <laughs> and so whenever you lose those year and a half, two years before you can really ever get back to the production level that we want these guys to be at. And then you're still looking at like, I mean, we still haven't seen him become a workhorse here, and he still has to become a workhorse to get the, get the value that you were investing in him beforehand anyway. Yeah. Uh, get If I can get out for any 23 first, uh, I'm fine with getting out right now. I, I will say, like, yeah, something Scott Connor brought up, and it, it was something I was like, oh, you know what? If I sold Javante, I can get a 23 first at any time. Yeah, I can wait a few weeks. And really your window, like we talk about trade windows opening and closing, this is still a very limited trade window because what's going to happen is, is people are going to catch on to people, you know, to other leagues where you're seeing Javante go for a first and like that's what the Javante owner is looking for. He's looking for that pick and people are going to catch on and not want to give that up. So you need to be the one to act. I know that this is going to drop on Thursday. So if you can sell before this weekend's games, do it. Target someone who's rebuilding. Target someone who has you know multiple first round picks, and go get yourself off of Javante so that you can have a, an asset that's a lot easier to move. Otherwise, you're going to be in some trouble. Yeah, so, and obviously you can start with more than a, just a first, but that's what we're good with settling at. Go throw out that first and a second. Go throw out that first and you know some sort of RB two. Go th throw out a first and Ramondre Stevenson or something. Get a get a little piece back that's going to still help your roster this year and give you the first drop pick. And I think you can do that in a lot of places. But like you said, the window's closing, and you've pretty much got to act now if you are one of the people who wants to get out and not just eat the bullet on this for a year and a half, two years. Exactly. Be willing to take that first and run, but still ask for a little more see if you can get it because of you know the hype around Javante his his value hasn't been crushed too much by KTC he's still RB8 and and you know keep trade cut um again not what we use for but that's community value people still value him highly he's 22 years old so people still see him being 22 um but yeah take it and run so uh, i guess that kind of answers the question you know people might see this as a buy window for Javante because he is 22 and he you know has shown promise. He was a top five back. Why 
why would you not be buying or or what's the uh the negative to to buying right now negative to buying right now like we've kind of been saying it's not going to improve value on your team for a year and a half and it's probably not going to improve your value on your team for two years so if i'm looking into a three-year rebuild i guess i can go in and buy now but even then <laughs> i could still probably flip a first and then whatever i get with that and then whatever i get with that like if you are just constantly making moves you should be obtaining value in all like in majority of moves that you're making and if you're just getting a five percent value increase on every move you're making you're going to be way more ahead than what you would be just holding that asset it's a dead asset that a lot of people you're you're limiting yourself even to trades if you want to get off of them if you somehow stumble upon yourself into a contending team now you're just stuck there holding the javante williams share and you've got to find somebody else to get him off onto and now you're stuck probably looking at only like three teams that are fully in tank mode so it's just such a limiting move compared to the liquidity that you can have with a player that's actually playing right now or a 23 first or any sort of other picks. Exactly. Sell, sell, sell. Get that value. Get out. And if you want to buy back in sometime next year, wait till he's back on the field and you see it uh, before before purchasing uh, Usum's Javante shares. But uh, get out now. On that topic, just you know, looking at Javante being out for the rest of the year, obviously Melvin Gordon is still there. Uh, four fumbles, four games, not a great look, but he he was an RB2 status last year, so he's going to be a good one to hold on to. But they did bring in Latavius Murray. He won't be playing this week, but rest of season outlook, Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, you know, Melvin Gordon, where, where are you at with this backfield? What would you like to do? Uh, who are you trying to pick up off waivers or trade for? Yeah, I mean, Fumble Gordon is going to be on every roster in any size, any size yeah. league already. So whoever's got him, good for you. You've got a guy who you're hoping that he finally picks it back up because, man, it looks like he's about on the on the other side of Wash. But Latavius Murray ain't, ain't much better. But we did actually see him be pretty good last week in uh, New Orleans, and he's flipping around up to Denver this week. Uh, yeah, I still definitely have Latavius Murray over Mike Boone. I know a lot of people are saying it's about to be Mike Boone's season. Mike Boone has been, you know, he's he's had his shot to have Mike Boone's season a lot of times. If he bumps his carries up from three to five carries, that's enough of a Mike Boone season jump for me to project. So, yeah, I think it's Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray, unless Melvin Gordon, come, like, if he starts fumbling at a one in every seven carry rate, then Mike Boone might finally become something. And I still think they give most of the workload to, to Latavius Murray. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you there. Um, George Patton, the the GM for Denver, uh, he is from Minnesota, has a lot of experience with Latavius Murray, fits this kind of offense really really well. So if Latavius Murray has any juice left in the tank, which I think he does have something, I mean I think he's got more than Mike Boone. Let me put it that way. Mike Boone, uh, isn't it? So all those people you saw blow their load on of fab money on Mike Boone this week, uh, let him have him. He's going to be a roster clogger for you. He is a perennial roster clogger whenever you think he has an opportunity. So Latavius Murray is the guy I'd be trying to get, to get my hands on outside of uh, Melvin Gordon. But uh, let's dive into some statistics that we we found some, some really interesting trends on some players. Um, and let's just kick things off with the quarterback position. What's a quarterback that you've kind of dove into and found uh, some interesting numbers on. 
Yeah, so one of the guys that I'm targeting, I'm trying to get up into the possible elite tier of quarterbacks. You know, we've seen that these elite tier quarterbacks have been performing at a much better clip than all of the, you know, Dak, Russ, Matthew Stafford, all of those back-end QB1 guys that we thought we would be able to roll into the season with, maybe two of those guys to round out our super flex teams. They've been underperforming by a lot. We, we're seeing you know, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, and Herbert – and Lamar, they're just running the league wild right now. So what I'm trying to do is find one of the guys who I think can break into that, get back into that status. And the one that I found was Kyler Murray. I think he's he's had a little bit of a stink on him so far this year. And you know, I, I don't think the numbers exactly say that that should be true. So let's dig into it. Starting off, you just start at the most basic stat. He's leading the league in attempts and completions. So he's throwing the ball. It doesn't get much more simple than that. It's it's easy to score fantasy points whenever you're throwing the ball and you're completing passes. So he's leading the league with 173 attempts and 113 completions. He's also throwing the lowest rate of interceptions in his career at a 1.2% interception rate. And he's also taking the lowest sack rate of his career at 3.4%. So... I was going to say that the interesting thing that I found with with Kyler is that, you know, last year when you think of the Arizona Cardinals, like everyone thought it was pass heavy, but it was actually a very run centric offense last year. And they, they were like top four in the league in rushing attempts this year. You know, this team is throwing the ball early. They, they have weapons on that team that that can can catch. They've also been down a lot in games, which which, uh, you know, game script leads to to more pass attempts. Uh, and they're only, they're going to get DeAndre Hopkins back after you know in, in two weeks, so that will help as well with with efficiencies and and things like that. But yeah, I've been super impressed with Kyler Murray. You know, avoiding sacks, he he's been scrambling. He hasn't been taking big hits. One of the, the things that you kind of looked at that that caught my attention was the fact that he his, his rushing attempts um, and his yards per carry are career lows, but it seems like he's looking for the pass now versus. I'm I'm trying to get as many yards as I can. I'm just going to take the yards I can get and get out of bounds. Yeah, he's. I mean, what was the last week? I think he had 26 yards on 12 carries. So you know, he's just <laughs> getting right to the sideline, putting his hand out at the line of scrimmage, and just saying, "Nope, I'm not. I'm not trying to stick my foot in the ground and get back up the field for an extra yard." And that's good to probably keep him healthy. We've seen we've seen him have health issues over the last couple of years, and he gets knocked down and. We've seen it be hard for him to really get back to form once he does go out for a couple of weeks. But really the reason he hasn't been performing up to the level of all the rest of the guys is because his secondary stats haven't been as good. They've really been kind of lows of his careers or since his rookie year. So his touchdown rate is one of the most obvious things. Even though he's passing the ball a lot, he's not throwing touchdowns. Touchdown rate is his lowest of his career at 2.9%, while his previous low of his career is 3.7%. We've got to be expecting regression on most of these back to the mean. And if you're just asking for regression back to the previous low of his career, I know this Arizona offense doesn't look great right now, but I still think they can figure it out. And like you said, we've got DeAndre Hopkins coming back. I think they can get it together again and fix some of the other stats too, both all lows of his career. We've got his yards per attempt, his yards per completion, both lows of the career at 5.7 and 8 point yards respectively. And then his previous lows were 6.6 and 10.7 yards, respectively. So 
I mean, you're you're dropping a yard, two yards for every pass he's either throwing or completing. It's going to get better for this offense. And I think it could get better for Kyler where he pushes himself, probably not up into that elite tier, but to where he's that next guy in line uh, just there behind all the rest of them at the top. Yeah, the one thing I want to see continue is that that low sack rate and him not taking those big hits. Um, I want him to be healthy all year long. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of negative game scripts. This Arizona Cardinals defense is not good. Uh, so they will be throwing the ball a lot. He has the weapons to do it. Hollywood has fit in really, really well. Zach Ertz has been, uh, you know, just the consummate professional at tight end ever since he arrived in Arizona last year. So uh, if everyone stays healthy, that's going to be a very fun offense. The defense is going to be awful, but uh, go get yourself some Kyler Murray. You know, I don't think you're going to be able to get him cheap necessarily because he is young. He is tied to that team, but he's a guy I'd be willing to pay up for, um, you know, pay his value for because I do think he can only rise in value from here. Yeah, and he's just – you don't have to spend up to the point that you do for a lot of these other guys that we've seen being producing at this insane level that so Absolutely. far this year. You're probably not at like – I think you could probably get him for less than three first right now with a little bit of stink he has on him. Uh, he's still producing as the QB8 so far in fantasy, and you don't have to pay up into that ridiculous three-plus first, four-plus first for the Josh Allen, Lamar Jacksons that we – Jalen Hurts – Jalen Hurts definitely over him now at this point and probably by an entire first. So if you don't have the capital that you can spend to get up into that elite tier, but you still want to try to make the jump, I think Kyler Murray is the perfect person to go try to target right now. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And another guy that um, I kind of want to jump into that has some stink on him is a, is a, a buy low candidate you brought up last week. And I think things are only going to continue to pr improve as he builds chemistry with his team. And as he gets, you know, more comfortable with a new coaching staff, new offense, and that is one Russell Wilson. And I know it hasn't looked pretty early on, whether you want to look at the, the coaching staff, whether you want to look at wh whatever statistic you really wanted to look at. It wasn't really looking all that great for, for one Russell Wilson. Um, but he has a 9.5% drop rate. 9.5%. So 10% of his passes have been dropped. That's called the Jerry Judy effect. <laughs> the Jerry Judy effect, Alberto effect, like all of the the club handed tight ends that they have, you know, it, it just hasn't really been all that great. I do know that they're missing Tim Patrick out there, and you can you can tell they they really hope they had that solid number three, but he he's been playing really really well for for what he's had around him. Um, you know, he has a, only 131 attempts which kind of puts him in the league average. They will start throwing the ball more, especially with Javante being out. That's something to kind of note. They're not going to just continue to pound the rock with Latavius Murray and with um, Melvin Gordon. They're still going to try to establish the run, but they're going to try to free things up for Russell Wilson to throw. And I think that's actually one of the big missed things with Javante being out is they are going to try to push the ball more. They're going to have to. Because you don't have a true 1A anymore that you can rely on and a true 1B. So I think it's going to open things up for that passing game. Um, where are you at with Russell Wilson? Do you still think he's a buy? I know you were hoping for a big breakout for him. Yeah, I was hoping for a big game last week against the Raiders. You know, they're pretty porous defense, and I thought he could take advantage of, you know, take advantage of that defense and bad secondary. Didn't really happen, but, you know, still posted a respectable game. I do have concerns with Javante being out with the offense just not being as efficient, but if they can start to 
you know, use the short game pass to, you know, kind of veer off and establish the run that way. Get some of these guys to actually start catching the ball, develop that chemistry a little bit better and, you know, get Nathaniel Hackett an actual, uh, you know, level of competency at coaching and offensive play calling. I will say, like you said, he's leading, he's doing well in statistics and he's actually looked a lot better in, you know, the secondary statistics than we've seen actually produced on the field. But his, his biggest one is definitely his, his stink statistic is probably like number one in the league, number two in the league at the quarterback position right now. It's, he is definitely devalued and you can definitely take advantage of that to go out and probably get him for, you know, QB 15 prices. Like you're looking in the range of like Kirk cousins, Derek cars. And uh, you know, it's a move that it's, it's got some risk to it, but he could jump back into that you know, QB 10 range, replace the guys that we've seen fall off a little bit with Stafford's and cars and tools of the world and jump back into there, be your back end QB one. And that's kind of where, why I was looking at Russ. I don't, I don't expect him to vault into that top six and top eight area where, where Kyler is necessarily, but he's a guy that has a lot of stink on him that should be able to rebound and get you value because people aren't looking at Russell Wilson uh, right now that if anything people are looking to get off of russell wilson but if you can get him for that Derek carr type price where you can give up like a you know a jimmy g and a and a second type of thing like i think you might be able to even get stuff like that done um if you can give up a first round pick and then a lesser quarterback uh you know a rental quarterback do it like people are really looking to get off of russell wilson right now and i'm happy to buy him i just he's going to be a long-term starter things haven't started off great but if you improve those drop percentages, you know, and the the passing rate is only going to go up, um, they're going to be in some shootouts with the AFC West. I just, I have a tough time not buying him. But um, the other guy I wanted to get into before we move on to running back, it just real real quick is is a guy that you can buy for real cheap. It's one Geno Smith. It's it's amazing what he's done this year, and I'm I'm with you. I think you can still buy him cheap. So so what's what's cheap to you? Because he is he's producing at an incredible efficiency, an incredible clip this year compared to what everybody thought. You know, still holding up Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So you send in a you send in a mid second or something. If you're hurting a little bit at quarterback, you just lost a Tua. You've lost a Lance. You're trying to patch it together. Geno Smith looks like that dude that's going to play his way into a contract. Like it might not be a long-term contract, but he might get himself a Mitch Trubisky, like a two-year deal somewhere. You know, a team that needs a rental quarterback or or a bridge quarterback. I mean, it's it's unreal. He he is at seventy-seven percent. He's leading the league, leading the league in completion percentage. Like never words Truly I thought incredible. would. Never, I never thought I'd say that about Geno Smith. He has an 83% on target percent with his balls, and he has two really good wide receivers that he's throwing to. Like, if he's leading the league in these categories, he's putting the ball on target. Like, I think I have to buy him. I think you do. I mean, if I could send a if I could send a second for him, it's probably worth it right now. QB nine overall. It's wild what we have seen out of him and i think you're right like a perfect bridge quarterback like texans go out and get a get a rookie all right let's throw geno smith in there for the first six to eight games of next year before we put the rook in like so it's training camp injury next year it because there's i mean good god could you imagine if we had actually had to see drew lock start the year with this team compared to what we're oh. seeing with geno smith right now i've 
everyone that was trying to sell me Drew Lock this offseason, like, oh my gosh, Drew Lock's gonna be the starter. Give me, a, you know, I want a second for him. I'm like, you can keep him. Like that dude is not it. I I've seen him play in Denver enough to know that it, it wasn't gonna be a good thing for him. That Geno Smith knowing that system was eventually going to take over, and it, I'm, obviously it's worked out really well. Pete Carroll knows what the heck he's doing, and yeah, Geno Smith has not only looked good in the passing game, but I, I believe that he is one of the most efficient running quarterbacks this year as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he's it hasn't been it hasn't been beautiful. Okay, I had to look it up real quick. So he's yeah. only had 64 yards rushing, but on 17 attempts, I just know that he has been scrambling. He has a couple rushing touchdowns. Um, so I was like. Hey, if the if the dude's getting out of the pocket um, and doing kind of Russell Wilson type things where he's able to to get those scramble yards, then great. He's not a zero, is the point. He's not a zero on the ground like Mac Jones is or Tom Brady is. So, um, yeah, good good things to see. If you can buy him for a second, get yourself some Geno Smith. So, enough of Geno talk here. We can we can move on. Uh, what running backs did you want to highlight? What have you seen from the running back position? One that I wanted to highlight, and it's one that I know a lot of people are panicked on right now. It's a offense that we've seen just fall from the graces from last year as well. It's looked, you know, we thought they were fixing their offensive line, and it only got worse somehow. Cincinnati Bengals running back Joe Mixon. Unreal. I don't know what happened to this team. It just looks it looks like a completely different team than what we've seen last year. However, Joe Mixon is still getting the work. And if they can turn it around, I don't know what they need to figure out exactly. Something needs to be figured out on that offensive line and just scheme-wise within the offense. Maybe the defenses of the NFL finally got an offseason to sit down, scout it, adjust to what they need to do adjust to. And, you know, Zach Taylor might just not be a good enough coach to adjust back to it. Maybe, maybe that's it. But Joe Mixon's still getting the work. <clears throat> and because he's still getting the work, he's still going to be – a plotter running back at best. And then if he, if they can figure out this offensive struggle that they're in right now, this offensive rut, he can get back to being a top five running back weekly like he was last year. So looking into his stats a little bit, he's second in the league in terms of rushes at the running back position with 82 attempts on the ground. The problem is with the offensive struggles that they've had, this has only turned into one total touchdown for Joe Mixon on the season through four weeks, which obviously wasn't it. You can't produce it that clip as an RB one when you're only scoring a touchdown for four games. Can't do it. But you know where you can make that up is you can make it up in the receiving game. And Mixon's got 24 targets for the first four games here, which is giving him 17 receptions and catch rate 71%, which is lower than what normal running backs are producing at. So we could even see that reception to target rate go up. He's producing at the highest clip he's ever produced at in his career in the receiving game. And he's got a total of 15% target share in the receiving game on this offense overall. He's producing at a rate that is just beyond what we've seen from him ever before. It's just because the offensive efficiency and the touchdowns just aren't there. The bad stuff about this is, is that the line, like we've mentioned, is already somehow worse than it was last year, where his yardage just is not there to give him much of a floor week over week. Besides the receptions, 2.7 yards per attempt. Whoa. I mean, I could get that. 85th in the, in the part that I pulled, 85th 
in his yards per attempt in the league out of the sample size that I pulled. Just absolutely brutal. Yeah, we talked about it coming into this season that we thought this everyone talked about this offensive line being revamped and how much of a benefit it was going to be to Joe Burrow. And we thought it was going to help Joe Mixon nonstop is what we had anticipated. We were like, Joe Mixon's going to eat. He's going to have there's going to be so many yards for him to just, you know, get downfield now. 2.7 yards per attempt is not going to cut it. He only has one touchdown. Like it's just it's not what you'd expect. So we can expect some positive regression. He is second in the league in attempts inside the five with seven just behind Jamal Williams. The problem is he's converted zero of those seven attempts for a touchdown. So he's getting the opportunities. He's there. It's just not happening for him yet. I don't see the opportunity going away. Um, so that's one of the big things I'm looking for is, is I, I I can't see it getting any worse than what it is. Right. So if it does get any better, I mean, 20 attempts leading the league inside of the 20 yard line, 16 attempts leading the league inside of the 10 yard line. He's got 14 attempts. And like you said, inside of the five, seven attempts turning into zero touchdowns, he's got the efficiency. They're getting into the red zone. It's just not going his way whenever they're getting those touchdowns. See a little bit of regression back to the mean where he's picking up a couple of those, you know, scoring one, you know, he scores a two touchdown game then he scores a one touchdown game. We see that value on mixing come back. I think he's going to be there. And I think it's, I can't imagine that this offense for the Bengals stays this bad for so long for that it goes the entire season it's going to turn around for these guys at some point i think i just can't see the fall off be this hard from last year yeah i'm, I'm right there with you i i i know people are a little worried They're like oh this is what you expect from joe mixon this is what you expect this is you know this he's the, the most frustrating player to own in, in fantasy football and it might be true but this team is good as long as he's healthy and he's going to continue getting attempts and he's going to continue getting that passing work. I'm super excited because if he does improve on that yards per uh, yards per carry and he does continue to get you know career highs in, in passing work, he's going to be an RB1. That's that. End of discussion. You can, he can be a volume-based RB1, kind of like Najee was last year. He may not get the same and amount of touches. Year. Yeah, and this year. So that's what's going to happen for Joe Mixon. He's going to be a volume-based RB1, and he's he's going to have positive touchdown regression. Do not be afraid. Do not panic sell. And if someone is panic selling, go out there and get you some Joe Mixon. Yeah, I, lo I love it, man. Let's get into let's get into your guy here, Mr. So, Brees Hall. So Brees Hall is a guy that obviously is a rookie. You, you don't you don't expect a lot out of early in the season. Um, he, he's going to be, you know, obviously he was a highly drafted player. You kind of expect rookies to take over later in the year. He's already second in targets of all running backs with 27. He's not doing a whole lot with them. There's a, there's a lot of miscues on those targets, but uh, you know, he's, so his receptions aren't quite there. Uh, so he's averaging about seven targets, you know, each week he did get six with Zach Wilson. I know people are kind of worried with with uh, with him coming back, but he does get a 14% target share. Uh, that 56% catch rate is the only killer. But he is already taken over from Michael Carter. Yeah, leading leading Michael Carter in every major statistic. Let's go. Let's go through a little bit of it here. So he's already got 
38 to 37 in total rushing attempts, turning that into 178 yards versus 137 yards for Michael Carter. Only touchdown on the ground goes to Brees Hall as well. And like we were saying through the passing game, I mean, he is eating in that role. 27 total targets compared to 19 for Michael Carter, turning it into the only place where they are tied somehow turning eight more targets into the same number of receptions because of that catch rate at only 56%, but still commanding a target share of 4% more than Michael Carter at 14% compared to 10%. We've already seen the rise and the takeover from Michael or from Brees Hall over Michael Carter in this offense. And I think the gap only grows from here on out. Yeah, as I mentioned, as the season goes on, his role is going to continue to grow. Michael Carter is a very good football player. Uh, they obviously drafted him. He, he had a lot of great passing work last year, but Brees Hall is that dude. Like he's as he gets familiar with that offense, and as that passing game kind of gets things figured out, holes are going to open up. The passing work obviously is going to be there. So I'm really excited to see what kind of role Brees Hall develops into. By low, I what do you think you can get Brees Hall for right now? I mean, I still think you're paying full price because he's a rookie. Am I wrong? It is the problem with him. It's yeah. the one problem with him and why may not fully fit into this segment for a buy low candidate, but a progression candidate. And like we've, like we've been saying with a lot of these guys, a regression back to the mean, especially in that receiving game, if he can get that up to you know our running back league average of around 75%, He's going to be. He's going to start producing at an even higher clip, and if we see this role keep can keep going over more and more to him, he's going to start putting up top five RB numbers, and that, I think that's where we see more of the turn for Brees Hall in this offense. Where it may not be a buy low, I think you're probably still paying the probably full two first price right now because people love what they see. He's just not fully getting the opportunity. He's been splitting it over the first three weeks, but we've se we've seen the turn of the tide. And I think he's going to ride that from here on out, turn into, I mean, I think he's a locked and loaded probably at the end of the year, top 10 RB. Yeah, he's a guy I can see end up him, end up getting himself into that warp difference maker tier. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but he's that caliber of player where he's going to get the targets, you know, the passing work that we love, and he's, he's going to be the one. So I can see him progressing himself into that kind of role. Um, where he is a true difference maker. He's a guy that I would be willing to tear down off of, you know, JT. Uh, you can't obviously do it from Javante Williams anymore, but you know, DeAndre Swift, if you can find your way out of some of those guys that are that are above Brees um, and get yourself some, uh, um, some Brees Hall or even getting off of CMC, you know, trading off of Eckler and paying up a little bit to get yourself some Brees Hall. It's a guy that I'd be, you know, something that I'd be willing to do if the price is right. Uh, but yeah, Brees Hall, breakout candidate in the second half of the season. I'm really looking forward to what he can do. He's one of my most owned players up there with Lamar Jackson. So uh, come on, Brees, bring it home. Yeah, let's go. Still not probably throwing <laughs> it up just in like terms of draft capital. Right. Go back to last episode and check check out that one to see why you probably shouldn't just spend two first and a second to go get him right now. But exactly. turn that into wide receiver value. Like you said, you could probably get up into that warp difference making tier, but the amount of warp he's giving you probably isn't going to be that to what a wide receiver can give you in the same range. So yep, while exactly. we see him statistically breaking out this year. If you're just trying to turn him into draft picks, it's probably not the way to go. But lo love his path forward for just being an NFL player and 
Teardown is a perfect candidate right now off of JT. Yep, exactly. And, and the guy that I wanted to, to dive into here, one of the, the running backs that told you not to draft him at all. He said, you don't want me in fantasy football. This guy is third in the league in rushing. He has three rushing touchdowns already, which I believe, if my math is correct, is triple what he had all of last season. And he's sixth in attempts this season. That is one Miles freaking Sanders. And <laughs> he he this is what we wanted from him, right? Like he's 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 getting the touches, he's getting the opportunities on a good offense. That that offense is clicking, run focused, and it's not the full-blown RBBC that we thought it was going to be in Philadelphia. It's truly a comeback story for the ages from a full (laughs) self-punt, just you don't even want me, I don't even want to be here, to third, just third in the NFL in rushes. Like, where did this come from? What happened in Philly's offense over this offseason where they finally just said, hey, you know what? Miles Sanders might actually just be a better running back than Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Yeah, he, he just might be. I mean, it's it's been uh it's been interesting. He hasn't fumbled the football. That's been one of his his big issues that, that he's always had in the past. So he hasn't been fumbling the ball. Um, so I, hopefully that continues for him. But he's also a guy that you can buy pretty cheap. And so that's like why why I'm I wanted to bring him up is if he's going to continue to to get himself, you know, 15 to 18 touches a game and that's a very good offensive line that he has there. He's also leading uh he's top 7 in the league in yards after contact. So he's he's doing it all. But what do you think you can get yourself Miles Sanders for? I think you can probably send back in first yet at this point. You know, somewhere in the range of what you were buying JK for earlier this offseason. I know we've seen we've seen a lot from him early in the year, but there was a massive cloud hanging over him earlier this offseason. And I don't think he's adjusted like we've seen some of these guys adjust back to their you know projected true value if he's able to uphold this rate that he's producing at so far this year for the rest of the season. You know, we've seen Saquon already jump back up probably into the first and two seconds plus range. But I don't think Miles Sanders has returned from his – you could probably just buy him for a straight-up second in the offseason with how much negativity was over was over him as a player for fantasy this offseason. So I think he's probably only jumped into the first range. And if you're looking for some RB production, I don't mind sending a back end, mid-back-end first on him right now, I don't think. Yeah, I think it would be okay sending that. That's not where I'm starting. No, you're definitely not starting there. You're wanting to start more in the, yep. You can start with that second, start with the second and a dart. Two seconds is what I'd probably be comfortable setting yeah. for him right now. But if I need to do actually, you know, make the make the jump and get the reduction for this year, yeah, go and throw that. Yeah. If it's weird because you're probably maybe you're one of those contending teams that just lost Javante and the you need a little bit of running back help to get you a couple, get you the rest of the year for a guy that's producing really well. I think you can probably throw, if you're still owning your first, I think you can go throw your first and get him pretty easily. But obviously, yeah, don't start there. Start with something else. And if you need to work your way up to that and you need to make the move to keep yourself in contention and get the wins, yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, I think two seconds is where I'm at. 
Um, if you mentioned Javante and you want to down tier off of Javante and you want to find a trade candidate, if Miles Sanders is available in your league or if, if that team is rebuilding, you might be able to get yourself a Miles Sanders plus. Not a big plus, but Miles Sanders and maybe a second. Miles Sanders and another player. Like If you're looking for a player-specific uh, Javante tier off where you need production, Miles Sanders is still going to be a free agent at the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So if Miles Sanders is, you know, there's still questions about his future, even though he's doing really well. So if you are able to move off of Javante, that would be a good pivot. But two seconds is probably where I'd value him. If I'm a win now team and I'm missing that running back production, I'd probably go to a back end first. You're, you might be right, but. I do still have concerns long term, so if I, I I'm gonna be I'm gonna be squeezing that juice, you know, you know how I do. So I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and get him for two seconds, um, or a second and a player, that's gonna work out for me. Yeah, I think that's you know enough on the running backs here. Let's move over into our wide receivers, and it's a little bit harder with the wide receivers because you know we've seen pretty much consistent from all of these guys across the first four weeks where you know you don't have anybody that's just overly dominating their target share but he hasn't caught any of the touchdowns and he's not really producing yet we've seen kind of what we think we're going to see from a lot of these guys you know like we're seeing drastically less performance than we thought we were going to see from darnell mooney but do you really expect the bears offense to start throwing the ball 40 times a game to where he's going to get back into relevancy no so he's probably not much of a buy low unless you're looking to punt all the way to next year so we targeted a couple of guys here that we could probably send out a couple of like we were talking about with those second round picks, maybe send out a background back end second round pick for a guy that if you're on a contending team and need somebody just to give you a couple sp- spot starts in the flex guy I targeted was Mr. Brandon cooks. Now I will tell you, this is not me as a homer, as a Houston Texans fan <laughs> making this pick. It has been disgusting to even watch this team. I do not actually watch them normally. I watch Red Zone, and I don't care because I do not care what this team does for the rest of the season. Because what they're doing is somehow even worse than last year. Davis Mills is truly the problem that Brandon Cooks is having so far because Davis Mills has regressed in almost every category, including his completion percentage is down, his touchdown percentage is down, INT percentage is down where he's actually not struggling and has actually improved a little bit is he's still throwing the ball. They're throwing the ball the 15th most in the NFL and Brandon Cooks is Mr. Reliable. I think he's going to take a step forward. His stats, his secondary stats are down. You know, his a dots down yards per reception is down yards after the catch per reception is down. And most of them are lows or almost career lows back to his rookie year. And, Brandon Cooks is who he is. I think he's going to get back to what he can be, and that's just over a thousand yards with his you know 70, 80 catches and his six to eight touchdowns. And if you just need a guy to start filling your flex reliably, I think this is bad as this Houston Texans offense is. I think Davis Mills can take a little bit of a step back to what he was last year. And if he is even what he was last year, Brandon Cooks can still be a good buy and a good player to have on your fantasy team that can get you points just to get you that 10 points a week to get you those wins. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is a perennial wide receiver too. You know, year in and year out, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, he 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 has the target share rate that you want. He has, you know, over 25%, just, just barely, 25.75%. 
Um, but that puts him in in great company on a bad offense that is going to be throwing the football. They do want to establish the run with Damian Pierce, but they are going to throw the ball. You know, Brandon Cooks is going to to continue to progress. He has one touchdown on the year. Um and he has 36 targets, so I think he's like top 20 in the league in targets right now. I mean, it, it's it's a a story old as time. Like Brandon Cooks is going to get you, like you said, that thousand yards, what five touchdowns? Like that's just what he does. So good times are ahead for Brandon Cooks. If you have him in best ball, awesome. Makes life so much easier because you don't have to figure out when to start him. But if he's your wide receiver three or your wide receiver four, um, I, you're going to feel comfortable about starting him real soon. So he's he's like Deontay. Is the best way I can re- kind of relate it to is like when, when you had an aging Ben Roethlisberger where the targets weren't always the best, you know, and it wasn't always great. But yeah, the or the A dot wasn't always great. He just he's still gonna get his share of targets. He's still gonna get his receptions in PPR. He's still gonna get a thousand yards. Like why he is not? what he is. He is what he is. You know what you're getting with him. And if you're spending a second round pick, you know, try and make it a mid to late. That's a win. He's gonna do this for a couple more years. Yeah. Let's get into another guy that's kind of in the same realm here. Get into a guy who we Got a quarterback from Sounds we gross. talked about earlier. Well, I mean, out of nowhere, Geno Smith is supporting two wide receivers of DK Metcalf and the guy we're going to talk about here. Send him for background second, Mr. Tyler Lockett. Uh, at a 26.5% target share, DK Metcalf's at 27. Yeah, they got they both have 34 and 35 targets respectively. But Tyler Lockett, you know, yes, he's 30. I know it's scary. But he, he's doing what Tyler Lockett has always done, and that is produce. You know, he has the ability to to bring you wide receiver one numbers. He has zero touchdowns. I mean, he, th- th- that's what has been really interesting for me with Tyler Lockett is unlike Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks at least got the one touchdown, which kind of buoyed a week. You know, Tyler Lockett's doing it just on yards. He's had, uh, I think, a 90-yard, 100-yard performance, one in the 70s. You add a touchdown there, and all of a sudden you have a monster week. And he's, you know, he's got 27 catches already this year. So you know, you're getting about seven a game from him through the first few weeks. So seven actual catches. I just, like you said, I, I think going into the season, everyone faded the Seattle Seahawks offense. Because it was like, ah, oh, Geno Smith or Drew Locke, no shot. I want to be anywhere near these guys. You know, DK Metcalf, fantasy viable. Tyler Lockett, he's he's a top 24 wide receiver. Like, these are guys you want again. And again, if you're going to be paying a mid to late second round pick for Tyler Lockett, he's shown no signs of slowing down. And that is exactly who Geno is going to. It is all DK. It is all Tyler Lockett and that running game. Yep. I, and then you I, throw, I'm pumped for them. You throw one tight end, a touchdown, just randomly, yeah, exactly. whichever tight end, whichever of the five or seven thousand tight ends that they somehow just bring out and randomly resurrect week to week. He'll he'll get the touchdown, but you know it shouldn't keep happening like that. Tyler Lockett should start getting one of those deep ball touchdowns or two, and yeah, I mean putting up 107, 76, and 91 yards the last three weeks. 
yardage is there, man. And catch percentage, you know, we talked about Geno's completion percentage. It's transferring right to Tyler Lockett. It's it's incredible what we've seen out of this offense. And while if you need the production for this year, it's not, I don't think it's going to slow down. So go out, get yourself some Tyler Lockett for those back end seconds. I don't even think you need to. I mean, I think you could probably package a third and another dart throw and get a Tyler, a young Tyler or young piece to get a Tyler Lockett off of a non competing team. Exactly. I think that's where it's at. I mean, I'm just kind of looking at the yards this year and he's above, he has more receiving yards than Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, his own teammate. DK Metcalf, like that's the company he's putting himself in. All the dudes got to do is score a touchdown or two from time to time. And we're having a whole different conversation on Tyler Lockett. So uh, he's quietly having a very, very good season. We've seen him put up wide receiver, not one overall numbers or not overall, but uh, wide receiver one numbers for a season. So he can do it again. And Geno Smith, he's going to have a 77% completion percentage, man. If that dude's getting, Eight, nine targets. I'm all for Tyler Lockett. Yeah. So let's get into the uh, tight ends here. Let's kind of wrap things up. We got a few tight ends we want to touch on before we we uh, end the episode today. Uh, which tight end do you want to start with here? Let's start off with the one we dislike. Um, I don't really want to end it on that note, but Mr. Tyler Higby. I mean, just two, three years of absolute irrelevance. And then all of a sudden we see the Rams offense come out and just completely revitalize itself where Tyler Higby is the focal point behind Cooper Cup after two years of hope on the off seasons. And we finally lost it this off season. Didn't hear anybody talking about a Tyler Higby breakout. And here we are just dropping half the passes thrown his way, but getting <laughs> 10 of them a game, it seems like. So what, what you got pretty- on Tyler Higby? You're pretty close. Like he's at 38 targets through four games. Like that's just about 10 a game. Like unreal Jesus. numbers. Like I wanted Tyler Higby, like the 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 thing, Tyler Higby to die when when Gerald Everett was still there. I was like, come on, Gerald Everett, just take over. And it just never happened. And then here he is, still just crushing it out. And for whatever reason, Matt Stafford wants to throw to him over, you know, Allen Robinson. But he has 38 targets. He has more targets than any tight end. In football, more targets than Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Zach, like this isn't a joke. He has a target share just behind Mark Andrews. He's at 25%. He's ahead of Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey. So he, the, the dude is getting freaking targets. And then he's also doing something with them despite he's dropping wide open screen passes, wide open passes over the middle. He's fourth in the league in receiving yards with 244. The dude doesn't have a touchdown either. So same kind of concept with Tyler Lockett not having a touchdown. Like he's putting up crazy numbers for for Tyler Higby, at least. He's putting up crazy numbers and the dude doesn't have a touchdown. The only other guy that doesn't have a touchdown in like the top 12 uh, for receiving yards is Kyle Pitts. That's it. Everybody else has got a touchdown. Tyler Conklin, David Njoku, Gerald Everett, all these guys. Touchdowns. So if he can get a touchdown or two coming his way, is is Tyler Higby a thing? I refuse to believe it. <laughs> I absolutely refuse to believe it. I want like the I want the regression gods to come in and just knock him down back to where back to even further 
further than he was. I know it won't happen though, but I don't think I can get myself to actually pay up and buy Tyler Higby anywhere because I I know as soon as I do, I'm going to curse myself and he's just going to go back to getting four and dropping two a game. And then he only has two receptions for 18 yards a game. And then Allen Robinson, I'll, I'll pay with Allen Robinson to go get him. And then it'll be Tyler Higby <laughs> dropping the ball for, you know, I can't do it. I cannot curse myself. I just gutturally in my blood cannot get myself to go out and actually buy Tyler Higby. I, it's not the right process play. Don't listen to me on this one. Maybe go out and do it, but I can't get myself personally <laughs> to do it. You got you got too much bias going on there. Too many too many hurt yep. feelings from all the other Fully times you own Tyler Higby. Oh, I've I've been there. Like I've I've drafted Tyler Higby thinking he was going to be something, and it just never happened. They wouldn't target him. It obviously when he gets targets, he's doing something with them. He he's just behind Dallas Goddard in in yards after catch. Like he's at 172 yards after catch. Like I, the Rams are going to give him the ball. And as long as the Rams are giving him the ball, like I feel like I have to have Tyler Higby. I feel like I have to have him. Like it, it sounds super gross, but again, we're, we're we're targeting some guys that are that are going to be cheap buys. And if you can buy Tyler, oh, do I want to give up a second round pick for Tyler Higby? Oh, that's the thing, gosh, man. That feels thing. so gross. But 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 in all honesty, like he's it's probably not, the right process, though. It's probably the right process play. The dude is not that old. Like I, I keep thinking that he's going to be like dead and out of the league. Like he's he's a twenty nine year old tight end. Like he can be doing this for several more years. There's no one else that's in the you know they obviously let Gerald Everett go a couple years ago, thinking that you know Higby was going to be it. You know Higby did have some injury issues, so maybe. I don't know. I I, I feel like you have to buy in right now. I think it's the right process play. I. I don't want to pay a second. If I can give a third and a lesser tight end, I'll do it. It just hurts. It hurts me just to say that. But man, he's the opportunity's there. The yards are there. He just needs to score a touchdown. And we have a whole different narrative around Tyler Higby right now. Yep. Wrong process play for me. I just can't get myself to do it. <laughs> let's talk about a guy real quick here before we get out that I actually will go out and try to acquire right now, especially on teams that might be looking towards the wrong end of the stat line or the record line so far through the first four weeks. And just a guy that I can stash and hope he gets in a better situation next year. That's a Mr. Mike Kosicki down in the Dolphins. And that offense that just does not use him. We decide to tag him for what reason exactly? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, he's posting career lows for a guy that's playing on the franchise tag, posting career loads in yards per reception, receptions per game, target share, snap share. He isn't at his career low. He's 0.1% higher than in his rookie year. Oh. Oh. It is just incredible for a guy that's super athletic. We saw his RAS score coming out and combine nine, nine, five out of 10, just an, athletic freak and he's being subjected to this offense where he's just in line blocking if he's even on the field i don't know what miami was doing with their front office and salary cap trying to bring this guy back maybe just trying to play keep away and keep him off another team but i don't know i don't know what this was it doesn't make any sense but i know that mike Kosicki can produce he's produced top three finishes 
of 12, 7, and 9 over the last three years. And if he can get to a better offense, a better situation, let's say he goes to like a Dallas situation next year and replaces Dalton Schultz, he gets vaulted back up into a like tight end six discussion. So he's a guy that I'm fine just sending, you know, tight end and a fourth maybe a tight end of the third or lesser tight end and a third somebody i just want to stash on some rosters and get some high percentage ownership of because i think the pathway there for him to get back up into relevancy is really open yeah when you look at when you look at tight end it is there's the elite guys and after that, it is a, a fill in the blank. I mean, even this year, you see Tyler Conklin is in the warp difference makers tier. Like you have guys that that can break out and perform. And and Mike Gesicki is an athletic freak. We've seen some of the incredible catches he can make. Like the dude is getting a six point seven percent target share this year. He's only had ten targets all year. Like they are barely using him. Uh, last year, he had ninety five targets, and I believe it was like sixty eight catches. So like the, the the work was there, and that's what we anticipated. You tag a guy like Gesicki, he's a pass-catching tight end. You know what he is. I don't know if they thought they could teach him to block like, like Kittle and like he could be the Kittle of this offense, but that ain't happening. Gesicki ain't – he's not blocking. He is a – he's you're going to flex him out. He's a mismatch. Like that is what Mike Gesicki is. So, yes, this is a super buy low. And, and this isn't necessarily a guy you even want to just go out and buy straight up for, but like you can get him thrown in deals. If you're if you're trading away a tight end and you're you're like, you know what I'm looking at next year, get yourself some Mike Gesicki thrown in a deal because you're absolutely right. If if he is in the right offense, like last year he had a 15 uh, or 16 percent target share when he was with Miami. If he can get to that level again where he's getting 100 targets, you know, 70 catches or even more, where they actually utilize him um, as as one of the the key, key focal points. The sky's the limit, and he is going to be a guy that can easily crack that top six for the tight ends. So love that, love that by low candidate there. Yeah, I think that it's it's a great by low candidate. The guy, like I said, looking to stash wherever I can. And that's regardless of regardless of roster, really. Like he's just going to be a yep. guy that sits at the back of your bench. He's never going to start this year, you know that. But if you can just get him tacked onto a deal, go throw out a random back end third, random fourth for him. I don't know if you can get a fourth for him, but. <laughs> yeah, guy that I'm looking guy that I'm looking to acquire wherever I can. All right. Well, that wraps up our show for this week. Uh, we will catch you next time here in the Fantasy Draft Room.